that does is that now requires that the appraiser has to contact us in order to coordinate a time to access the home. So that's a big part of it. I don't want them just to go show up on their own. And then all of a sudden I find out, oh yeah, your appraisal came in at 600. We're like, well, when the hell did the appraiser go? I didn't even know you went. Welcome to the Whistle Way podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with Whistle Realty Group and EXP Realty here in San Diego. And I'm Brian Kochi, the Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics that you need to go out there and crush it in your business, whether that be real estate, mortgage, or really just any business. The way that we like to do that is rather than guessing at what you want to hear about, we just listen to what you want to hear about. Um, so if you have something you'd love to have us talk about on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there. You can join our Facebook group and get some insider access to things that we're doing here on our team. You can subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, join our referral network, and find out about upcoming events like our Media Mayor Mastermind, which is a badass course. Basically taking everything Brian and I've learned over shooting video in the last six years and condensing it down into a killer course to shortcut your learning curve. Which I've uh, recently got more and more uh, interest list signups lately. Yeah. So well, it's in my link in bio on Insta, so that could be helping. It's definitely popping up more and more and more. I'm like, hold on, guys. We're almost <laughs> there. We're almost there. I have so much free time, Brian. We should just do it today. Like, oh, my God. Oh, also, anyways, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, the goal of the show, guys, we want to make sure we get you the value in 30 minutes or less. We want this to be the podcast you can listen to on your way to or from the office, assuming you go to an office. If you're working out of your home office, just like walk around the block and listen to it. Or, Same effect. While you're waiting for the pizza, yeah. 30 minutes or less. There you go. Uh, so if you enjoy the show today, we'd love it. If you're listening on a podcast platform, hook us up with a review on the uh, a platform you're listening on. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, um, hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell so you can get updated on future episodes of the show. Yep. All right. What are we doing today, Brian? We are talking today about appraisals. Now, the market today is unlike we've ever seen ever. Um, it's probably the hottest market I've ever seen in real estate. There was one time in 2012 that was like this okay where they were giving you there was a federal incentive to go by of like if i remember correctly it was like 10 grand and then there was like a state incentive of like seven grand so if you bought a home within this window it was like seventeen thousand free dollars so that was pretty crazy i, I would like that <laughs> um so i've been working with you since 2015 I haven't ever seen it this crazy. Um, we've seen peaks and valleys here a little bit where it's like, wow, this is really hot and it's short. This is, it's going on for a while. It's what, February right now and it's nuts. Um, one of the big issues besides getting your offer accepted, um, but on the listing side of it is agents are having listings go for 20, 30, 40, 50 grand over ask, having 30 offers. We talked in a previous podcast about how to have that offer submission system, but when it comes for 50, 60, 70 grand over list price, here in San Diego, our average price is around 500. How do you. 600. That's, who's counting? Is it around? Give or take 100,000. Um, how, how do you deal with that with an appraisal? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that I look at today is that I've got to sell a house twice. First, I've got to sell the house to the buyer. And then second, I've got to sell the house to the appraiser. Um, and so our job is definitely more difficult, right? Let's be honest. The first part of it is easier than the second part right now. 
Um, right, I'm going through it. I am a seller right this second. Um, as soon as we're done with this, I've got to sit down and look through a pile of offers that we received on one of my personal properties. And this property, I asked all of the local area experts what I should list it for. And they all said around 550. And I was like, that's cool. I'm going to go 600. And within five minutes, I already had an offer over full price. And here we are four or five days later. And now we're well, I, this is live, so I don't want to give any tips in case somebody's watching who's offering on it. But let's say if you um, if you come in at nine hundred, you probably have a good chance of getting it. Is yeah, nine hundred cash. cash would take it home today on the six hundred thousand dollar <laughs> listing. So if you're looking at John Henry uh, Lane in Ramona, nine hundred cash would take it down <laughs> now. No counter. Um, you could even pick title and escrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, I mean, the offers are way above full price. Way, way, way above full price. One, let me give you a lesson real quick, too, if you're um, listening to this, is one of the worst things you can do as an agent is to put a listing on the market and accept an offer in the first day Yep. or two days on the market. I think you're shooting yourself in the foot. If I would have done that, I would have ended up just barely above full price on this thing. Now we're 50000 above where we were after two days. So... I. You know, if you're listing a home, give it some time. Like, give it a little bit of time to to marinate on the market. Make sure people get an opportunity to get in there because people's schedules are busy right now. Um, you know, it, it's just a weird world. So you want to give a property at least three days on the market. I mean, I couldn't imagine um, not giving it that much time. Now, there's going to be... Preferably a weekend, right? Preferably. Now, there's unique scenarios. I'm not going to say we don't ever sell properties off market because there is the situation right now where like this property had 30 showings in the first 24 hours. Like if I was living in the home, I don't want 30 groups coming through my house and during COVID, like I'm not cool with that. So you're going to have certain scenarios where it makes sense for a seller. My opinion is you either sell it off market or you give it a full weekend of exposure, right? Don't go live on a Thursday and accept an offer on a Friday. I think that's terrible. Don't go live on Friday, accept something on Sunday. Like, give it a full weekend. Um, so we routinely wait until Monday to respond to offers. And then when we look at them, we decide if there's something we're going to accept as is, or are we going to counter? And if we're going to counter, are we going to counter a set price or highest and best and see what we can do to get as much money as possible for our clients? And one of the things I like about how we do it is, is you have that expectation set up front to everyone. You tell your sellers that, but you also tell all of the agents that say, hey, can I go see it? Hey, can I go see it? Hey, we're accepting offers all weekend. We're gonna, I'm gonna review with my sellers Monday evening, and then we'll counter after that. Yep. So they, everyone knows it's not, you're not kind of dragging someone through the dark. They go, okay, I, I, so they know they have Sunday night to submit it. Yep. So I like that. Yeah, and that doesn't mean I'm not getting phone calls all weekend. Like, what's it gonna take to take it down today? It's 900. Like, yeah, 900 <laughs> cash, that's the answer. Um, otherwise, we're waiting till Monday. So. Bottom line, like this property, we're going to end up way the hell above what it was listed at and way the hell above what the last comp was at. So now what do we do, right? We Congratulations, you got an amazing offer on the home. Now you got to sell that to an appraiser. So that becomes the challenge. So we've now got to decide how do we handle that. So some of the things that we do as soon as the listing goes pending, we immediately change the MLS to reflect that you must call the listing agent for access. We do not want anything on the MLS making it um, known that there's a lockbox on the property because I don't want an appraiser just to go show up unannounced without me meeting them there. Now, they shouldn't, right, because it's COVID, so it's a little bit easier right now because they should fill out 
the in our California it's called a PED, whatever your coronavirus disclosure is in your state. Um, nobody should be going through a home without having filled that form out. So it's a little bit easier right now in a COVID world, but let's make this evergreen. Um, we put on the MLS that you must contact the listing agent for access. There's no mention of any lockbox once we go under contract. So what that does is that now requires that the appraiser has to contact us in order to coordinate a time to access the home. So that's a big part of it. I don't want them just to go show up on their own. And then all of a sudden I find out, oh yeah, your appraisal came in at 600. We're like, well, when the hell did the appraiser go? I didn't even know you went. So that helps ensure that the appraiser has to contact you in order to get access. So um, that's one little trick that we use. And then um, the next trick is scheduling it for a time you can physically be there. So I don't want to just send an appraiser there. Hey, here's a few comps, go. I'm gonna meet him there. There's a lot of value in that face-to-face meeting. Like, could I just have a conversation over the phone and send, send him or her some comps and list of improvements? I could, but it's gonna be way more impactful if I physically meet them at the property. So I just had one a couple weeks ago for a buddy of mine. He bought the property for 660 and we went under contract at 820, nine months later. Oh my God. <laughs> so we're like, how the hell am I gonna get this thing That's to appraise? That's why you went to the appraisal. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to meet the appraiser there. And uh, so some of the things that I like to do in meeting an appraiser there is, one, I got to pull comps. Now, when I'm comping a property for a seller for a listing appointment, I'm using the tightest, most similar comps I could possibly find. Ideally, model matches in the same neighborhood, maybe even on the same street, in the same building if it's a condo. But when I'm running comps for an appraiser, what are the – parameters that an appraiser can stretch to both in proximity and square footage and year built and bedroom count i'm stretching technically it's a different zip code but (laughs) yeah i mean one has an ocean view the other one backs up to the train tracks but i mean tomato tomato right i mean they're the same difference um right i'm gonna stretch what are the parameters that the appraiser can use so now this would be a smart point you should have some appraiser friends so that they could tell you what are the parameters they could use. You should know how far out can they go in your market. Now, this is going to vary, right? If you're in a vertical living, right, you're in New York City, you're in downtown Boston, it's going to be a little different than if you're in Knoxville, Kentucky, in, in a rural community, right? So you got to know your community. So it's important you know your local appraisers and what are the standards and parameters that they have to work within. Um, in our market, traditionally, an appraiser can go out about a mile as long as it's not rural, which we do rural property too. So if you got rural referrals, hot, that's funny. We should, that, is that URL available? Should we get that, Thomas? Rural referral? No. <laughs> no one can be able to. I'll go to rural referral. Rural referral. Um, so we normally can go out a mile. But again, if I'm pulling comps when I'm going to a listing appointment, I'm trying to stay a half mile, maybe even a quarter mile. So I'm going out a full mile. I'm going out 25% on the square footage. I'm going out 15, 20 years on age, depending on the age of the home. I'm going 12 months back, not just six months back. Like I'm stretching everything as far as I can to pull in the comps that are going to do the best job possible of supporting my contract price. Okay. So I'm gonna pull those comps. The other thing that's really important in a crazy market like there is today is not just pulling the sold comps, but pulling the pending comps. I would argue with you today that pending comps are more valuable than sold comps because sold comps sold months ago right, or at least went pending months ago. I want what went pending this week because that's really the best comp. So 
I will find the pending comps and I will use my charm to have conversations with the listing agent to find out what their situation is. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll call the, the listing agent on those pending comps and get as much intel as I can. How many off? Like some of them will be forthcoming with the number. Most of them will not. That's fine. If I can't get the number that they accepted, if I could at least get the number of offers they received, that's going to help. It's better, right? In a perfect world, I get number of offers and price. But if I can just get number of offers, which most agents will share that with you, that's going to help, right? So when I meet with the appraiser and I can say, oh, yeah, this property right around the corner, it was listed for 700. They had 22 offers on it within the first 24 hours. That's very clear. It's way the hell above what it was listed for. So that will help, right? you got to do everything you can to give the appraiser, right? We don't say influence, steer, or any of that, but we want to give them the clearest picture possible. And so if I could have info on some of these pending comps and help them understand there were 22 offers in 24 hours, like that's going to help, right? The appraiser can factor that in. Now they'll probably still call that listing agent and confirm, which is what they should do. Um, appraiser should never take your word for it, but maybe some do. Watch, they're um, gonna be like, "Oh uh, yeah, we only had one offer. It took us 19 years." Yeah, so don't lie. By the way, <laughs> don't lie. Like, don't, don't lie wanna, to either side of it. Yeah, you don't want to get caught up in some some BS for misrepresenting. So, uh, we'll meet the appraiser there. We'll give them all those comps. We'll give them any intel as far as like how many offers were received on the comps. I will also give them how many offers were received on our property. Uh, a couple ways that you can go about doing that. You could put them all into a spreadsheet, which is one way. Um, you could take the first page of each offer. They don't want the full offer, okay? Like, don't don't show up with, like, a Bible of, you know, they're, like, four <laughs> inches thick of all the offers you received. Like, that's cool. If you could just show them the first page of all the offers, they'll believe you. Like, you don't need the whole thing. Um, so either print out the first page of all the offers or put all the offers into a spreadsheet, something like that, just so they could see. Because if there were 22 offers on a home versus one, that doesn't that makes it clear that that one person who paid 820 is not crazy, right? That there were 21 other people that were equally as crazy. This one was just the craziest of the crazy. Um, so keep that in mind. That will help you out as well when they know how many offers were received. But again, if you, you support it with actual evidence, that helps. And if you want like some cool impact, like take all the first pages and tape them top to bottom and just roll it up like a scroll. And then the, when they're praised, like, oh, did you get any other offers? <laughs> And you just roll the scroll out with like 22 offers. Have you done that? I haven't. I want to so bad. I want to do it. I have <laughs> not. so dumb. It's so douchey, but it'll be great. I, I want to see impact. That would be just for Instagram, the boomerang of like rolling out 22 offers. At that point, you might as well just have like a, a suitcase with a uh, handcuff on it and to like open it up and like, here they are. <laughs> so have fun dumb. with it. Yeah. All right. So comps, um, info on the pendings, all of the offers that you received on your listing. And then the last one, and I would argue the most important one, is all of the improvements on yours. Because that is going to give the appraiser ammunition to help come higher on the value. So this one that we just did, right, sold to 660, then it sold at 820 within nine months. I got to justify this $160,000 increase. Now, they're going to be able to make a date of sale adjustment because it's been nine months. But I got to show improvements. So you want to get as much information as you can from your seller as far as all of the improvements that they made on their particular home. And hopefully the seller knows what they spent or at least has a ballpark number of what they spent. If they don't know, you can just go to this website. It's called Google and type in like average cost to install pool in San Diego. 
I think home, it's either home visor, home advisor, something like that will tell you like, here's, here's the range of what it costs to put a pool in, in your area. So when you do this list, do you do it as a, do you do it kind of like the AVID where you say, just put in pool, redid backyard, landscaping, new windows, or do you do it more like the, um, like the property description or, or like a resume? They're numbers people. Okay. So appraisers just work in boxes. So give them boxes. Don't give them stories. Like you got to understand the mindset. To be an appraiser, you like to put numbers into boxes and make the numbers line up. They don't. So, they're so not, not story. It's people. not a resume that like you do. You know, I've I led a team to uh, illuminate project. And I put a light bulb in, and my buddy watched. Right. Yeah. So it's it's installed pool. Updated put it into a spreadsheet cool. or I use tables. I just make a table in like a Microsoft Word doc. So it's like on letterhead and then it's just description, pool, approximate <laughs> cost, 100,000, right? Like that's it. Okay, <laughs> like, cool. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, so give them a list. I mean, basically anything that was like a thousand bucks or more, like put that on there, right? Don't put the like wall plates that were $32. Put anything well, that's like a thousand. There's a lot of wall plates. You'd be surprised how many sellers brag about their wall plates when we walk through their home. It's, it's cool, um, but don't do that. Anything that's like a thousand bucks or more. So this particular property, when we added up all the improvements, it was like $250,000 worth of improvements because it had, it was like the ultimate COVID house. Four plus bedrooms. It had the pool, the hot tub, the barbecue island, the fire pit, the so you patio. Underpriced it. it had everything. You underpriced Solar, it. Solar, like paid same. off. It had everything you want. So solar. So a couple things I want to go through kind of uh, quick here. Um, solar, does it add value to an appraiser? It depends. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. Tell, tell me how it depends real if quick. If it's owned, yes. If it's anything other than owned, it's going to either be flat or negative value. Okay. Um, ADU. Yes. And that's a mess right now because it's so new. So there's no standard for the value of ADUs. I think the value to a buyer is typically going to be much higher than the value to an appraiser. So until there's enough comps with ADUs or accessory dwelling units, if you guys aren't familiar with that term. Granny flat. Um, granny flats, per permitted granny flats. Until there's enough comps, I think there's going to be a lag in the value. But I think that there's value in building them now because it's cheaper now and it's easy to get permits now. That might not be the case in a few years from now. So build it now and the value will catch up over time. Cool. When we had an appraiser talk to us, he said it's about right now – because there's not those comps, he's doing about 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah, which is um, like in short term, like that makes no sense to add yep. an ADU if you're planning to sell. Uh, what about a pool? Adding Pools, a pool. I think, have more value today than they've ever had before because we're in a COVID world and everybody realizes like I can't go as many places as I used to. So having a pool at home is way more valuable now than it's ever been. Unpermitted additions. Has value. Good. It uh, depends on the appraiser and the loan type, how they value it. Um, and the quality of the work. So if it's just like a patio that you just like threw some cheap walls on and there's no insulation, like that's one thing. If it's fully drywall, fully drywalled with electrical dual pane windows, eight foot ceilings, that's another. So it depends. Yeah, one thing that I thought was interesting from this appraisal, he mentioned uh, if it uses the same roof line um, and the work is done in a workmanlike manner, um, he, I, from my, he can what, evaluate almost identically to the rest of the he, square footage. Yeah, it's not permitted. Which surprised me. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. 
Anything cool. else? There's no. Those are the big ones. And ceiling then, fans, again, obviously. Your job <laughs> with the appraiser is just to befriend them yeah. and um, you know empathize with what they're dealing with because they're struggling right now. Like the last thing an appraiser wants to do is come in low for you. Like if you could be cool with them, they're gonna do what they can to help you out. But there's now, only so are you much gonna they can like, do. Right? Are you gonna like slide them a hundo? You know, in their uh, briefcase? Like, no, don't do that. But just build a relationship. Like, you're a fucking salesperson. Like, sell yourself. Sell the property. That's Your license says salesperson on it. At least that's what they say here in California. Like, sell. How do you sell? You build a relationship. Build a relationship with the appraiser. Talk about, oh, man, how many appraisals have you done today? This is, like, my third one. Oh, my gosh, they're working you guys ragged right now, aren't they? Yeah. Like, right? Just feel their pain, right? And they'll be like, oh, this guy, this guy, this girl's cool. Like, they actually care about me. They're listening to me. They want to know about me. Right? Ask them, where do you live? Um, oh, how long have you been doing appraisals for? Like, that's how you build relationships with people. It's no different. Now, real quick before we end this episode, yeah. um, I'm sure there's rules of things you can do and can't do, right? Yeah. Like, you probably can't give them $100 and say, hey, thanks a lot. Correct. Where, what, how much can you do? Like, right, as they come in, nice cold water, like, that's pretty cool. But are they, like, do you I don't know? think you're able to give them anything of value to um, encourage them to hit the number, the value that you need. But if you can give them things that are relevant to the value of the home, then that's fair. Like, just don't fuck with this. Like, you don't want to lose your license yeah. over one deal. It's stupid. Yep. So play within the rules. But the most important thing I can tell you is the relationship. Like, Build the relationship with the appraiser. Now, don't follow them everywhere they go like you're their tail, but meet them out front, right? If you tell them, hey, I'll meet you there at 11, don't get there at 11, get there at 10.50. Like, get there 10 minutes early to make sure you're there, that you can catch them at the front door, you can have a quick conversation with them. Um, Now, you're going to have some appraisers who are assholes, and they won't even talk to you. Like, oh, I can't touch any papers you give me. I'm not allowed. And you'll have others be like, oh, thanks so much for giving this. This will really help me out and save me some time. So... You just never know who you're going to run into, but use your charm. You're a salesperson. Sell them. So sell them on the value. But again, just to kind of recap it, um, you want to meet the appraiser there. Remove from the MLS that a lockbox even exists. So it forces them to sign, um, to coordinate a time to meet you there. When you meet them there, have comps stretched to the widest parameters possible based on your um, your relationship with any other local appraisers. And if this is your first appraisal, now ask this appraiser what are the parameters that you're able to stretch to so you know for the next one. Um, <clears throat> give them the best comps available. If there's any pendings, find out what price they went pending at or how many offers they have. Um, and then really important is have a whole list of improvements, essentially anything $1,000 or more you want to have on a list. you got to build your case because now that appraiser can take the value of all that stuff and apply that to hit the number that you need. And then just build a relationship. Most important thing, build a relationship. When it's done, shoot them a video and be like, hey, Brian, thanks so much, man. It was really cool getting to meet you. I know you said you got three more appraisals today. Um, I'm here for you, man. You got this. You can do it. Like, thanks, <laughs> right? That, just whatever you got to do, just build a relationship. Send them the boomerang of uh, the offer the offer scroll. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's cool. Dumb. Well, hopefully that'll help you out moving forward because this is not going to go away. We're sitting here in February or whenever this episode's releasing. Um, by the time we hit May, June, July, it's just going to be completely insane. So it's already crazy. I think it's just going to be. I mean, I think you're going to see the lowest inventory in the history of inventory. When does Except it come for down? when the first home ever was built, <laughs> when there was just the one. <laughs> one home. When does it calm down? What's your prediction? 
Uh, I have no idea. Good, good I prediction. Don't cool. I don't know. I don't. I can't predict past a year at this point. When so, interest so rates go up, that's what I'll tell you. Okay. When interest rates break four percent, that's when you see it slow down. Cool. cool. Well, hopefully you guys got some value out of that. Again, if you are getting value, we'd love it. If you're listening on a podcast platform, hook us up with a review on there. If you are watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, the subscribe button, and the little bell so you get notified of future episodes of the show. Before we wrap up today, we want to share with you is something we refer to as the whistle widget of the week. This is something we utilize in our business. It saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have more fun. What do you got, Brad? So uh, I'm going really camera nerdy again. Oh, yeah. Oh. There we go. I went to oh, the- by the way, Brian did wear this like neck cell phone camera thing. Yeah. Didn't last long. Well, because uh, you couldn't see past the camera. Anyway, um, so I went to the camera store this weekend, sold... I sold it all for about 3300 bucks, but I bought it all for like ten grand um, over the years. So I sold a bunch of my stuff, bought a few more things as we go. But this I'm really excited about. This is my newest, smallest, cheapest lens that I own. I sold a $1,500 lens to buy a $200 lens. Looks like my Nikon it D3100. Looks like it. Uh, this is the Canon uh, RF 50mm f1.8. Yep. So the RF, <laughs> yep. I, I, I called it. <laughs> um, the RF means it fits on the Canon EOS R bodies, the, the new mirrorless system. Um, but it's small, it's light, it focuses quick, it's super sharp. Um, my vision is that I use this more often to take my camera around, take photos of the kids, take photos of the stuff around me. So uh, really excited about it. 50 millimeter. Sweet. <laughs> so what I will share is uh, this one we just shared in our team is we're really big on maximizing efficiency and minimizing clicks. So if you didn't know about this, there's a little thing off to the right side. Hopefully you're using Gmail. If you're using Microsoft for some reason, I'm sorry, but hopefully you can convince your um, company to move over to G Suite. So within Gmail, there's something over on the right that's called add-ons. And add-ons is one of my favorite things because what it allows me to do is not have to leave Gmail to get information. So as long as things live within the Google Suite and even some of the things outside the Google Suite, I can view them inside of Gmail. I don't have to like go open up a new tab and bounce tabs back and forth. So some of the things if over on the right-hand side of Gmail and add-ons, I have my calendar. So I can very quickly, while I'm within Gmail, I could see my calendar. So if somebody emails me and says like, hey, can you meet at this time? I don't have to go open up a new tab and see what I got available and then bounce back to the email tab. I can just, it just slides over from the right and it'll show my calendar right there on the screen, which is really, really helpful. Um, I can also have access to Google Keep, which is a simple note-taking system. I have access to Google Task, and I can add all kinds of other things. You could add Dropbox, DocuSign, and a bunch of other stuff there in that add-on section. So within Gmail, it is called add-ons, and it's a little just drawer that slides in from the right side of Gmail, and it has been awesome. And now I'm not bouncing around from tab to tab to tab. I'm just sliding it over. Sliding it back, it's fantastic. So that's what I got for you. Uh, Hopefully you got a lot of value out of the show today. I wanna thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Whistleway Podcast. See you guys next week.